One, two, three, four, I'm testing. You were hurt by someone you trusted. Yeah. Like the family member who abused you. Yeah. Which made you feel powerless again. When I saw that scene from Atlanta, I knew I had to talk about it on this week's Cross Connection because it's really not something we see on TV every day, and that's black men in therapy. And of course, you may remember Kendrick Lamar's album, which dropped this summer, that also explores this very timely topic. Now, according to researchers, black men are about half as likely to pursue counseling as their white counterparts when experiencing anxiety or depression. Well, the first step in breaking that stigma is to talk about it. And so here with me is Dr. Michael A. Lindsay. He's dean of the NYU uh, Silver School of Social Work. And back with us is Dr. Jason Johnson. Um, Mike, I want to start with you. Dr. Mike, my Morehouse man on hey, set with me. Um, great to have you here with me on set, seriously. And I just, you know, I've noticed that this conversation around therapy and black men is becoming normalized, but maybe not normalized to the extent which it needs to be. Um, why do you think that's happening now? Well, I think the pandemic has certainly uh, had an impact on how people are being in touch with their emotions and and their psychology, if you will. Uh, people are being encouraged to talk about how the pandemic has impacted them. And I think it's a great thing because for so long, there's been so much stigma related to talking about these issues. And so, you know, the, the time is really perfect for us to be having these conversations because so many people are hurting as a result of what has transpired in the pandemic. Yeah, it's nice to see. Um, Jason, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, Imagine getting in your, all up in your biz. <laughs> but seriously, have you gone to therapy before? I, I, I have, and, yeah. and I actually really debated as to whether I was gonna answer this question, because <laughs> it's not so much a fear of, of, of threatened masculinity. I just never wanted to really talk about it. But yes, I actually Why? had a therapist. I was uncomfortable, yeah. frankly, and, yeah. and, and I felt like eh, I, I, the world doesn't need to know. But you realize that having conversations with the other brothers in my life about mm -hmm. their therapy journeys have been helpful. I was in therapy when I was in school uh, because I thought, oh, maybe I'm just stressed. High school? Uh, uh, graduate school when I was okay. getting my doctorate okay. because I thought, oh, maybe I'm just stressed. But it's like, oh, no, this is this is anxiety. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating well. And it was a critical part uh, of me moving forward. And I had the rare experience, and I, I'd love to hear what Dr. Lindsay thinks about this. I actually had a very good experience with a white therapist. Mm. Since then, I've yeah. never interacted with a white therapist, but I had, I had a white male therapist who the first thing he said to me is, are you comfortable with talking to a white guy about this? Because I understand if you're not. So wow. that's what built a really good relationship. That, that makes a really good point, though, because there does require, seem to be a necessity for cultural competency when talking to so when we talk about black men in therapy there's also a delta when it comes to black men therapists That's right. so That's what right. how can that be addressed so what we know is that only about four percent of the mental health workforce are actually black wow and so as a dean of a school of social work the silver school of social work yeah it's really important for me to bridge that divide by bringing more people of color people from historically marginalized populations into the profession showing them that, you know, you can do well if, if you come into the behavioral health workforce. And so, you know, to Jason's point, 
I think that so many people uh, struggle with, I want to see a black therapist, I want to see someone that looks like me. And I often tell p folks, the most important thing is to see someone, yeah. right? And then work it out. Just like we have to go to various beauticians or barbers until yeah. we find the right fit. You know, sometimes we have to go through that process until we get the right one. Yeah. But to go to someone is really, really critical. That's the Yo, what is cracking, my people? What is up? Welcome to a brand new episode of ADQ's Renaissance. I am ADQ, your host. Um, You know how in the past I would say I'm your host with the most, keeping it 100 from coast to coast. Yeah, I think we're going south there. That's a little bit much. Anyway, welcome to yet a brand new episode of ADQ's Renaissance. Been gone for a minute, but now I'm back with the jump off. Um, The reason why is because, you know, Sometimes you got to take a break. Sometimes you got to take a little fast. Sometimes you got to take a little Sabbath. Sometimes you have to focus on the three plays that you're acting in. It's been a great summer. I was able to perform in Messy Millennial Starter Pack, Assassins. Yes, I got to get myself into another musical. First time in like five years. And I was able to do Shakespeare. Much ado about nothing. Also, my play, Art of Life, went up in Winston-Salem. So it's been a very, very, very busy summer for your boy. Now I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Like Joel Santana once said, I'm back and I'm back and I'm back and I'm back. Hey! Um, so before I get started, first of all, I want to shout out, you know. Yo, this jug doesn't even have the logo on it. I want to shout out the Soul Society, Heavy, Un Heavy Energy University. For this delicious live alkaline water, it is the best water I've ever had in my entire 37 years on this earth. HeavyEnergyUniversity.com if you want to get on some incredible water. That water, so a little bit of tap water, um, is the reason why you see a, lot, a little bit less of me. Uh, you know, I've dropped 50 pounds, 53 pounds rather. Um, over the course of the summer. Yeah. Um, see, I performed at Juneteenth over at LaBelle Park here in Greensboro, North Carolina. And. And I saw the video back and what I saw gave your boy nightmares. It gave me nightmares to see just how fat I got. So I said, yo, I need to commit myself to a diet. I need to commit myself to a weight loss program. Well, I did not actually get on to any weight loss programs. I got on to the ADQ weight loss program, and I started walking a lot. I started uh, I started walking like three miles a day, four miles a day, five five miles a day, five five days a week. Uh, well, actually, it started out at four days a week, then five days a week, then six days a week, and now I do it every day. Um, also. I changed my diet. You know, I just looked at all the processed foods that's in my diets and diet, and I took them out. All of them. All of them. All of them. The most processed thing that I uh, digest now is um, is popcorn. Uh, I still eat popcorn. Um, but 
regularly, I eat um, oatmeal, salad, bananas, and chili. Um, that's my diet, and I'm very happy with it. And it, and I'm seeing results. Cause again, your boy didn't drop. Your boy didn't drop 53 pounds. So, um, also I am changing the format of ADQ's Renaissance just a little bit, just a little bit. You know, it's still kind of like a nod, a ode, a shout out to the Harlem Renaissance. You know, Harlem Renaissance was a very pivotal part in black history and history period but also i like to think that i adq i myself i'm a renaissance man so as i'm being a renaissance man why not share my renaissance experience with a whole bunch of different people who would like to come on my podcast and talk about their experiences you know what i'm saying that's why you know you notice that somewhere along the first run of this in 2020 you know, I started deflecting from artists to politicians to ministers and all that good stuff. So, yeah, me being a Renaissance man, I can talk with anybody about anything. Here's something that I would like to start talking about. Mental health. Mental health. I think it's very important that I talk about mental health. Here's why it's important that I talk about mental health. Because my mental health is the shits. You know what I'm saying? My mental, I'm not going to lie. My mental health is very far from where it needs to be. You know what I'm saying? Do I blame myself for that? Absolutely not. There are many factors that contribute to the precarious state of my personal mental health. I don't particularly like talking talking about myself very much, but me talking about myself, me referring to myself, kind of like, will kind of like speak to a bigger issue. You know what I'm saying? It would speak to a bigger issue. So, so let's get into it. And I really hope y'all are not hearing that music in the background very loud. So, let's get into it. As this is power is absolutely, we still fuck, we're still dealing with uh Riverside. You know what I'm saying? We still rocking with Riverside. So let's transition. No, so let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about black mental health. For um, And I'm going to start by saying that mental health in the black community is an unjust stigma. You know what I'm saying? If somebody is sad about something or something triggers somebody to do something, you know what I'm saying? We have a tendency to say you're acting like a pussy or you're being weak or you're being a little punk or you're being a little bitch when somebody is crying or emotional about what about something you know what i'm saying don't cry um i was told as a child to not cry you know what i'm saying like i was told to not to not cry to not be sensitive to show any pure feelings about anything right well first of all let's start with what the bible says all right um I already gave my spiel about religion and everything, but this ain't for religion. It's just for, you know, some type of spiritual context. So, um, it says in the book of, it says so in the book of John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. 
So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How crazy that is when a lot of the the deficiencies of my personal mental health, and I'm pretty sure that there are many people who could attest to this, are people who have claimed to be followers of Jesus. But that's what we all should do right in the world here in the world here in society here in creation as we are dealing with each other we should love each other right that would make that would make life here on earth a whole lot easier right okay so let me talk about myself now that we provided that biblical context and i got a little bit more for y'all in a minute Last night, I found myself having, I found myself having a moment of suicide ideation. Now, if you will hold on for a second, I will give you the definition of what suicide ideation actually is. Because you're going to hear me use that word quite a bit throughout this, this particular episode. So... All right, so suicide ideation uh, is defined by Wikipedia um, as uh, suicidal thoughts means having thoughts, ideas, or ruminations about the possibility of ending one's own life. It is not a diagnosis, but is a symptom of some mental disorders and can also occur in response to adverse events without the presence of mental disorder. Okay, so. What are what are some symptoms, right? Here's some symptoms. Strictly speaking, uh, this is very well mind, uh, a very well mind, very well mind. Okay, so strictly speaking, suicide ideation means wanting to take your own life or thinking about suicide. However, there are two kinds of suicidal ideation: passive and active. Passive suicidal ideation occurs when you wish you were dead or that you could die, but you do not formulate a plan to die by suicide. Active suicide ideation, on the other hand, is not only thinking about it, but having the intent to die by suicide, plan, including planning to planning how to do it. Me, what I deal with whenever I vibrate really low, whenever I go low, whenever I sink mentally, is passive suicide ideation. I think about it. I would like to see my time here on earth. I'm being I probably I'm probably being too real, but I would like to see my time here on earth come to an end. But I don't have any plans on how to enact that. Because for one thing, I'm just I'm just freaking scared. You know what I'm saying? Uh suicide ide- suicidal ideation is one of the symptoms of both major depression of both major depression and depression found in bipolar disorder but it may also occur in people with other mental illnesses or no mental illnesses at all i have no doubt that i have some type of mental illness 
The lifetime prevalence of suicidal ideation for the world for the general world population is about nine percent and about two percent within a twelve month period. For people with mental health disorders, the rate is significantly higher. The exact numbers are unclear, but since suicidal ideation is a symptom of mental health disorders like major depression and bipolar disorder, the problem exists at a at a far greater percentage in these populations. Let's look at these symptoms. Okay, warning signs that you or a loved one are thinking about or contemplating suicide include isolating yourself from isolating yourself from your loved ones. I have uh, cut off multiple relatives this year. Feeling hopeless or trapped. I feel hopeless and trapped sometimes. I really do. Talking about death or suicide. I like to talk about it. Giving away possessions. Eh, I don't really have anything to give away. An increase in substance use or misuse. I don't do that. Increased mood swings, anger, rage, and or irritability. Yes, Lord Jesus. I have mood swings. I get mad and I get irritable. I don't have no rage. I'm a very laid back guy. Engaging in risk-taking behavior like using drugs or having unprotected sex. I was I was very sexually active last year. Assessing the means to kill yourself, such as medication, drugs, or a firearm. I do not I do not own either. Acting as if you're saying goodbye to people. I've said goodbye to a couple of people. Feeling extremely anxious. If you think a loved one is thinking about or planning suicide, ask. It's a myth that you'll give another person the idea to kill themselves. Asking shows your concern and that you care about the person. Be aware that past the suicide ideation, wishing that you could die in your sleep or in an accident rather than by your own hand, is not necessarily any less serious than active suicide ideation. It can quickly turn active. My friend RL told me that last night. Now let's look at the now let's look at the causes. There are there are a variety of risk factors for suicidal ideation and suicide including having attempted suicide in the past. I did not I have not attempted suicide in the past. Having a mental health disorder. I'm pretty sure I got some I'm pretty sure I got something going on. Uh feeling hopeless, isolated and or lonely. Yes. Not being married. I'm single. Being gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered. I'm neither LGBT. I'm neither. <laughs> I'm neither LGB or T. And the only Q that that qualify as is ADQ. Um, uh, having served in the military, haven't done it. Um, having a chronic physical illness like cancer, diabetes, or a terminal disease. I feel pretty fine. Having chronic pain. I got. I have uh. I have plantar fasciitis, but it's not horrible uh having traumatic brain injury having a family history of suicide my cousin committed suicide a few back in 2008 um having a drug or alcohol use disorder have done that having experienced childhood abuse or trauma living in a rural area having access to firearms let's talk about the one let's talk about the child abuse or trauma let's talk about it um first of all let's go to and also i would like to say that um this episode of adq's renaissance is me saying if you are out there and you're dealing with suicidal ideation so do i there are a whole myriad of other people out there who do what I'm doing is I'm addressing mine 
publicly on this platform so that perhaps it'll be this destigmatized because when you at because when you tell people yo i want to commit suicide i want to be out i want to be done look at you like that like you're crazy they're like you need help help yes definitely love a hug also yes so um let's see First Kings chapter 19 verse 4. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 4. Let me hold up. Let me see that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright. So 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 4 says. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and pray that he might die i have had enough lord he said take my life for i am no better than my ancestors who have already died then he lay down and slept under the broom tree but just as he was sleeping an angel touched him and told him get up and eat he looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water so he ate and drank and lay down again So, so, also you read the entire book of Job and you will see that, you know, those of us who take the Bible literal, um, those who don't, you know, Kurt, you know, a lot of times Job is saying, curse be the day that I die. Now, I was abused as a child. I was abused as a child. I was abused as a child. You know, I used to skip. I used to be afraid to um, admit this, to talk about this. I used to think that whatever. But now I'm like, yo, I'm a 37 year old man. I say, I do, I do whatever the heck I want to do. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I was abused as a child. I was whipped with a belt. Well, that's cor. Well, people will see that as corporal punishment. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I'm not a parent. Um, also, also, um, I was also whipped with extent with an extension cord. Not on a regular basis, but you know, a, a few a few times. Hurt like hell. My mom, being a single parent, raising me and my sister by herself was clearly was clearly overwhelmed as she was as she was um pursuing her college degree and trying to keep a roof over our heads but with no parent with no parent i mean with any parent that's not an excuse um if you're a parent and you're watching this you you have no excuse on abusing your child I've been, uh, as a child, this happened from, you know, age, whatever, I think five, six, seven. I think I was seven when I got my first whooping, um, from age seven to like age 15, 13 or 15. I forget which one. Um, I received 
belt whoopings, switch whoopings, uh, a few a few extension cord whoopings. Um, I've been scratching the neck. My mom punched me. Um, let's see. She punched me. Um, once she once she put her hands around my throat. Um. Once she was like trying to scratch dandruff out of my head, and I was complaining about how much it hurt, and she punched me in my head. Um, yeah, these are instances that just happened to come up in my mind, and that you know, clearly I need to share with a therapist. <laughs> but um, but um, I remember once getting suspended from school, and she whooped me. Whoop, uh, whoop me in my um stomach. Uh, hit me in my stomach with a belt. Uh, I felt I spent the rest of the night with my stomach hurting like hell. Uh, I remember her once scratching me. Um, the parents. This is what happens when you do not handle your personal issues going into parenthood. You will treat your child like a whipping kid. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I'm only bringing all this up because this stuff that happened to me, this stuff that's a part of my history. You know what I'm saying? For as accomplished or as artistic or as great energy as ADQ is, this stuff that is a part of my story and is and is very unfortunate. Um, it's not stuff that keeps me up at night. I can assure you that. But when one talks about suicide ideation, when one says that abuse from childhood could be a factor, well, ding, 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 there you go. Not only that, but I was also neglected by my dad. Once I ran away, which, you know, this happened when I was 18, so it wasn't really running away. It was, hey, I'm trying, I'm ready to get up out the house and man up. But, um... Once I once when I let when I tried to leave the nest, um, I went to Forest City, North Carolina. That's where my dad lived. My plan was to like just try and go sit and talk to him, see if he could help me um navigate life. You know what I'm saying? Because because my thing is I'm growing into a man. You know what I'm saying? And um I I I need help. Trying to figure it out, and who better to help me than my than my actual dad? So one day, one day, I go to Forest City. I have no idea where is what in Forest City, right? No idea. I bump into this bum, right? He a bum because of how he took how he took advantage of an eighteen year old child. Um, I let him talk. I let him talk me into pawning my GameCube. Right, I let him talk me into buying him Hardee's, and then we both catch a, and then we co- both catch a ride to my cousin Michelle's house that was in the projects. Um, I was hope like my hope was like a, a couple a few months earlier. It was a great family reunion. My dad was there. My brothers were there. My dad's then wife. My um. My my grandpa, my aunt, my great aunt, my cousin. Um, it was incredible, man. I was so happy. It was great energy, all of that. 
You know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, this is the quarrel side of the family. I hardly ever, I, I, I hardly ever deal with these people. This beautiful moment that has taken place, I want to have it again. I'm still mourning my grandmother's death, just like the rest of y'all are. Let's come together. Did that happen? Hell no. Uh, the bum helped me find my cousin Michelle's house. I spent the night. Cousin Michelle seemed to be happy to see me. My Aunt Cheryl, who was who was saying who was saying there at the time, wasn't. <clears throat> the next day, she dropped me off at a homeless shelter. My Aunt Cheryl dropped me off at a homeless shelter. That's why when she died, I did not give a damn. I didn't care. I really didn't care. So, from the homeless shelter, they're like, what's this kid doing here? So, I let them talk me into, I let them talk me into calling my dad. I called my dad to see if I could come over, get that game that I was talking about, right? Does he say, hey, son, hey, it's all good. Come on over. No, he's no, he left me right there at the homeless shelter. Uh, a few months earlier, when me and my mom found out that I was not going to graduate from high school on time, she called my dad and went in on him, just fussed down, saying, <clears throat> begging him to be there for me. Like, this is not to vilify either the vilify either parent. This is to get through, get to a deeper issue. You know what I'm saying? Um, my mom went in on her. I mean, went in on him. Even cried. I, I could see her crying. And all my dad could do is just stand there and say, you see what you done? You see what you done? No shit. This really happened. This really happened. I was 18, 17 at the time. And I realized that I come from... Yo, my dad once looked at me in my eye and said that he's ashamed to call me his son. He come from a fatherless back. He come from a fatherless childhood. So all of this is a part of the ADQ story. If I was to do my own roots like Alex Haley did, you know, all of this would be in the, would be up in there. So that brokenness from my dad and my mom's childhood translated into me and them extending broken broken behavior to me you know neglect neglect from my dad abuse from my mom um as a child and when i was 11 all of that uh, having to put up with all that, yo, I went, I, I, I did two extremes trying to figure out a way to make my mom proud or get her off my back. First thing first, I gave my life to Christ. I got saved. Um, I got saved for the first time. That's why that's that, that was my entire reason for getting saved because I was looking for a reason to make my mom proud to make her happy, to get her off my back, to have her quit fussing at me or so much. Or so I would quit having to walk eggshells. Um, it didn't work. <laughs> and then um, a brother by the name, I'm not even going to say his name, uh, R. God bless the dead, um, 
I knew him as I was attending Shelby Middle School. He committed suicide, and that's when the and that's when the idea of suicide first hit me. I was eleven. A brother whose name I'm not going to say committed suicide. He was. We were pretty much the same age. He was a little bit older than I was. And he committed suicide. And. And that's when the idea of suicide first hit me. And it would go in and out of me. Rapidly. From then until. As late as late as last night. (sighs) Heavy shit man. Heavy shit. Heavy shit. But yo. If you come from a similar background, if this is your story as well, you're not alone, yo. You're not alone. I don't know what song my my I don't know what song my neighbor is playing, but yo, it's hitting. But anyway, I hope y'all can hear it. So this is what. This is what, you know, this is why this is what I praise God for. I praise God that I can like be like, yo, I hate life. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Um, in direct contrast to one of my dopest songs ever, Life is Good. But you know, we struggle, man. We struggle. Life is a struggle, man. Life is a struggle. I can do all that. I can post publicly just how I'm feeling. Here come people who have known me in multiple mediums of my life. Yo, but you've always given great energy. The kids love you. You you, you are so talented. You are so, you know what I'm saying? I praise God that I was able to overcome the shit that I went through as a child. And ended up growing up to become this dope human being that I am. But still, the shit happened. And it affected the way that my brain functions. Um, This talk about this definition about suicide ideation. Do you have a, do you have a history of depression or mental illness? Hell yeah. Both sides of my family and me. How long have you been having thoughts of suicide since I was 11? Have you created a suicide plan? Nope. Because I ain't got the balls to do it. Are you taking any medication? Nope. Try it. Never happened. How often do you use alcohol or drugs? Does that count? Does caffeine count? So. To cope. Identify triggers. Look for triggers or circumstances that lead to feelings of despair, such as a death or a loss, alcohol use, or stress from relationships. I've eliminated a few relationships. Remember, feelings are temporary. And that's why I tell myself, I feel myself going low. Take care of yourself. Part of the reason why I started exercising so much is changing the way I eat. Build a community of support. You know, 
My friend Amanda took me off the took me out today. My man RL called me last night. Being a man, man, yo, I praise God for these people. RL called me last night. Man, I I was just getting loving big brother energy. Other people, uh, other people, Vanessa, uh, Portia, uh, Joshika, um, um, Sharita. Crazy thing about that, Sharita. Uh, not, 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 not my home girl who got married last night. Congratulations to her and Jose. Uh, but Sharita, who I once had a crush on in high school. Yo, some Shelby people were reaching out to me, man. Get active. That's why I did so, that's why I did so much theater to get away from my, to get away from my demons. Relax. Relax. That's for me. That's for that's for you. That's for you listening. Relax. Um, I'm pretty sure you all, I'm pretty sure you, uh, those of you who are listening, um, I hope you have heard my episode where I am pretty much taking a shit on religion, right? Well, um, this Bible is based... I read this Bible because, you know, there's dope things in there that help me get through this uh, journey called life. Well, in my search for, in my search for, you know, assistance, journey, and all that, I've come to familiarize myself with Taoism. Taoism talks about the path of flow. Here's what, let's see. In Taoism, it talks about the path of flow. I wish there was a Taoism Bible or something. Let's see. The philosophy of flow. Okay, a well-known concept that has emerged from Taoist philosophy is Wu Wei. That can be translated as non-action, effortless action, or a paradoxical action of non-action. In a practical sense, we can describe Wu Wei as a state of flow, often referred to as the zone by athletes. When athletes are in the are in zone, they engage in action without striving to and move through time and space effortlessly. There are no extremes, no worries, no ruminations. Everything seems to flow in a natural natural course. Lao Tzu says, knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. Taoism is philosophy of flow. Taoist philosophy emphasis on living with the Tao. So, the philosophy of flow, from what I've learned, um, translates to me as letting God be God, letting things flow naturally. Well, things flow naturally as God has uh, his or her hands on them. And to me, 
it lines very much up with Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 45. And it says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and you can buy more than clothing? Look at the birds. They do not plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And when you get into that, you will see how the birds flow, how the then how the how the lilies of the field flow. And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today. And thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow or tomorrow bring his own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And I can attest to that very much. I hope that you all have gotten past the ideation part into the and follow me into the faith part. But, you know, when you are walking in faith and you are looking at God, you're looking at how everybody else is blessed and stuff. And you still have the you still have the traumatic brain. The traumatic brain. Stuff. That has taken place in your life. You know, you're trying to line your mind and your spirit and your chakras up with God, with your ancestors, with your inner God. You know what I'm saying? But then you hear these Christians. These Christians. These people who have abused you. You hear these people who have abused you. Proclaim Jesus, right? And then, but they are the people who abused you. Then, then sounds like slave owners, right? Well, talking about post-traumatic slave syndrome. I am checking out uh, Post-Traumatic Slave Central by Dr. Joy DeGruy. I've read this. Uh, I've read bits and pieces from this before. According to what she talks about in this, according to what she talked, according to what Dr. DeGruy talks about in this, Post-traumatic slave syndrome is a disorder that that may possibly apply to all American uh, Black American descendants from of slaves, or as Dr. Umar Johnson would say, Africans, American-born Africans, or as Tarina She would say, 
uh, foundational black Americans. Um, I claim Africa. That's the group that I put myself into at the moment um, until I'm proved otherwise. Ancestry.com says Africa. So, um, but I will argue that a lot. This is what has helped this and forgiveness is what has helped me withhold anger and bitterness for the most part towards either parent. Father absence and abuse from someone who you are from, from someone who feeds you. That's something that goes all the way back to slavery. You know what I'm saying? Like when my when my ancestors went through slavery, you know, the father was slow was sold off from the plantation. Um, the slave master will claim to love you, will force you to go to church. But if you made a mistake, you would get whipped, you would get beaten. Those are peace. They, those are pieces and increments that come from slavery and that have been passed down through the generation and that rears his ugly head in 2022. So, am I saying that my parents' um, toxic way of um, parenting me, could that descend from slavery? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Very much so. Because generationally, people act upon what they know. But when you take the time to pick up a book and educate yourself, you realize, hey, I'm toxic. Hey, I am doing things that are not good for people who I love and know. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you got to do this. I mean, it's called doing the work. Like, I realized once I um, befriended many people who are part of the LGBTQIA plus community, hey, I've been toxic to, to these people for a very long time. I need to stop this because I have friends who are LGBTQIA plus and I love them dearly. Um... So it's all about educating yourself in order to stop, in order to, as Tasha Cobbs in this, says in her song, break every chain. I was getting a little too serious. So uh, don't cry for me, Argentina. Um, suicide ideation pops up in my mind every now, every now and then. But I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. Because I got people, because I got people in my life re remind me how dope I am. But if you're out there and you're a praying person, pray that it stops. Now, suicide. Now, this point to depression. We're going to check this out, and then I'm going to read this, read a couple of joints from this, and then I'm going to let y'all go. Depression symptoms. 
Let's look at 10 signs of depression. It's from it's from hope for depression. Did you know that depression in the United States affects over this for this from the Hope for Depression Research Foundation? Depression in the United States affects over 18 million adults, one in 10 in any given year. It's a leading cause of disability for ages 15 to 44. Is the primary reason why someone dies of suicide every 12 minutes, over 41,000 people a year. In comparison, homicide claims less than 16,000 lives a year, according to 2013 CDC statistics. Perhaps I need to look at something from 2022. All right, let's look at signs and symptoms. This is from uh www.projecthelping.org the signs and symptoms of depression all right so depression sadness is a perfectly normal reaction to life struggles setbacks and disappointments many people use the word depression to explain these kinds of feelings but the symptoms of depression are much more than just sadness depression is the overwhelming feeling of sadness when everything in your life seems to be going right. However, some depressed people don't feel sad at all. They may feel lifeless, empty, and apathetic, or some may even feel angry, aggressive, and restless. Whatever the symptoms, depression is different from normal sadness in that it engulfs your day-to-day life, interfering with your ability to work, study, eat, sleep, and have fun. The feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, and worthlessness are intense and unrelenting with little, if any, relief. The normal ups and downs of life mean that everyone feels sad or down from time to time. But if hopelessness, isolation, and despair have taken hold of your life and won't go away, you may have symptoms of depression. Depression makes it tough to function and enjoy the things you once did. But uh, just getting through the day can be overwhelming, but no matter how hopeless you feel, you can get better. Understanding the signs, symptoms, causes, and treatment of depression is the first step to overcoming the problem. Okay, let's check out these signs. All right. Signs and symptoms, feelings of helplessness or hopelessness, a feeling that will never, ever get better, that will never, that will ever, a feeling that nothing will ever get better and there's nothing you can do to change it. Loss of interest in daily activities, no interest in former hobbies, pastimes, and social life. You lost your ability to feel joy and pleasure. Appetite or weight changes. My weight change cause I, I exercise and I'll, ugh. Y'all didn't see me on Juneteenth, man. It was it was nasty. Significant weight loss or weight gain. A change of more than 5% of body weight in one month. Sleep changes. Either insomnia, especially waking in the early hours of the morning or oversleeping. Loss of energy. Feeling fatigued, sluggish, and physically drained. Your whole body may feel heavy and even small tasks are exhausting and take longer to complete. Anger or irritability, feeling agitated, restless, or even violent. Your tolerance level is low, your temper's your short, and everything and everyone gets on your nerves. Self-loathing, 
strong feelings of worthlessness or guilt. You harshly criticize yourself for perceived faults and mistakes. Reckless behavior. You engage in escapist behavior such as substance abuse, compulsive gambling, reckless driving, or dangerous sports. Concentration problems. Trouble focusing, making decisions, or remembering things. Unexplained aches and pains. Increase in physical complaints such as headaches, back pain, aching muscles, and stomach pain. So... This is from post-traumatic slave disorder, uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome. I wanted to know what successful programs serving African Americans had in common, and if there was consistency across programs, regardless of program type, whether they were for adults coming out of prison, try, you trying to stay out of gangs, or women trying to stop smoking. Here's what the data they gathered revealed about the elements of programs that have been successful in working with African-Americans. Having a champion supporter, building strong relationships, culturally relevant curriculum materials, positive racial slash ethnic identity development, starting work when they, were, they are young, parental slash family involvement, commitment and support of administrators and leaders, commit, community involvement, Program consistency and longevity, providing achievement opportunities for wins or wins for participants, following up and ongoing evaluation. Now it can be very possible. And I know that depression and suicide ideation um, is something that a little bit everybody of all um ethnic groups deal with it's something that i deal with based off of my shortcomings in life and based off of my childhood but i've worked through it and i've allowed myself and i've grown into a very accomplished individual you can too if you're checking this out you can too your past is not your present your past is not your story. Your past is a part of your story. But there's so much more to your story that you have to make and contribute. So, if you're out there, if you're watching this, if you listen to this, and depression and suicide ideation has hit your mind, first of all, don't act upon it, okay? Feelings are temporary. What you need is to change that bad feeling into a good feeling. So do something to change that bad feeling into a good feeling. How do you do that? Do something that makes you happy. Okay, do something that puts you in a great headspace. Be around people that make that puts you in a great headspace. Learn how to deal with tough, tough times. 
I was homeless back in 2019. From March to uh, December 2019, I was homeless. I watched God make me so much stronger during that time. Keep your eyes on God. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of your religion. Keep your eyes on God and know that God can get you through anything. And I say that as a man who once was stuck in the middle of times uh, in the middle of Amsterdam Avenue in New York at two o'clock with with 50 pound bag waiting on the lift. You know what I'm saying? That's like asking to get blasted. But I didn't come out of that in order to sit before you all and share my story. So, thank you for checking out ADQ's Renaissance. And thank you for keeping yourself alive to go out and make your mark on the world. You are alive. It's not by accident. It's never by, none of us are here by chance. None of us are here by accident. All of us are here because God created us with a plan in mind. What is, your, what, is, what is God's plan on your life? That's something for you to decide. That's something for you to decide upon time with God and learning. But if I were a betting man, I would say that the plan is not taking yourself out. The world needs you. The world needs you to do what you were made, what you were created to do. All right. I'm ADQ. This has been ADQ's Renaissance. Next week, let's talk about Yay. Let's talk about Kanye Omari West. Well, my bad. His name's Ye now. Let's talk about. Let's talk about White Lives Matter. Let's talk about Black Lives Matter. Let's talk about. Let's talk about it all. I want to talk about it all. I want to smoke. This I'm ADQ and this ADQ's Renaissance. God bless y'all. Peace. bodies you got the physical you got the emotional okay you have the mental okay and then you also mental spiritual emotional and physical those are your four mental spiritual emotional and physical you have to align all four of those bodies up let me give you an example you might be spiritually healthy but physically unhealthy if you're spiritually healthy healthy and physically unhealthy then your spirituality can only go but so far because as all the great master teachers taught that if the body is not healthy, it's going to be difficult for the mind to be at peace. Anybody who's affected with an illness, their mind is not at peace. It's very difficult to put it at peace. So when we talk about being spiritual, you can't just live in your mind. You have to understand that there's a relationship between the spirit and the body planes. And if one of them isn't healthy, it's automatically going to affect the other. Just like if you're a healthy Physically, but you're not healthy spiritually. You got a lot of folk who are super athletes. They run every morning. They do their push-ups. Physically, they appear in perfect health. But what they fail to realize is that those negative thoughts that they keep on feeding themselves will crystallize into not bodily manifestations. And this is how you get folk who never had a piece of meat in their life, but they still suffer from high blood pressure. How did that happen? Okay? Drunk alkaline water all their life. 
Okay, but now they got cancer. How is that when there's no physical evidence as to why you have this malady? A lot of it has to do with the uh, spiritual intoxication that manifests within the body. Remember, every major organ in the body is attached to a particular emotion. So whenever you experience that emotion, it is actually lodged in that particular part of the body. So when you get cancer, when you get diabetes, okay, when epilepsy develops within the brain, it's normally because of a spiritual imbalance or the stoppage of energy. The stoppage of energy. And when you hold on to grudges, you actually stop the energy of life from cycling in. See, pain, pain is weakness leaving the body. But many of us like to hold on to that weakness because we identify with it. So we want to hold it. We don't want to let it go. And some of us carry it around 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And whenever you're holding a grudge, you tend to age about five times faster. So you'll see that you'll start to look older than what you should look because you're not only living for yourself, you're living for your unhealthy pain body as well. So you want to do an assessment of yourself. Where are you mentally? By mental, we're talking about your thoughts, your cognitions, your process of interpreting your experience. That's your mental. Then we got to talk about the spiritual, your connection to the universe, the supreme source, your own internal soul. Where are you on that level? Then we got to talk about the emotional, the way in which you regulate your feelings, your emotional reactions to the things that happen to you in life. And then we got to talk about the physical, your health, what you eat, how you breathe, and your lifestyle. Lifestyle is important too. Why? Because no matter how healthy you may eat, no matter how spiritual you may be, if you don't give the spirit and the mind time to cleanse and recoup itself, it'll break down. For example, right now, a lot of black women, more than in any time in our history, are being admitted in voluntary commissions for nervous breakdowns. A lot of sisters are going to the hospitals for nervous breakdowns because a lot of us believe that to be strong women or strong men, we should never have to take a break and give our bodies and our minds times to energize that we should be able to keep on going, keep on going. But your brain isn't made like that. See, when you talk about... Uh, black women or black men 75 to 100 years ago, you have to remember they existed within a certain religious or spiritual milieu. So even though they worked a lot, they also had a lot of spiritual work going on at the same time. We don't have that. So it's important that you don't overload your brain because when you overload the brain, it will just shut down on you. And that's what you call a nervous breakdown. Folks who are walking around on the street out of their minds, that's called brain overload. Just like you overload a computer, you can overload the brain. And one of the things we have to start practicing more is what I call spiritual indifference. Spiritual indifference. Some of us have not perfected the art of ignoring things that don't matter. Some of us choose to react emotionally to everything that come our way. You don't have to react to everything that comes your way. Pick and choose what gets your spiritual attention. Pick and choose what gets your mental attention. Pick and choose what gets your emotional attention. For example, I hear a lot of black folks say, well, you're not working on a job with a bunch of Europeans, and they are stressing me out. Well, automatically, we made an interpretive mistake there, because nobody can stress you out. Stress is the result of your interpretation of the experience. The white man doesn't own the interpretation you do. So if you're getting stressed out, it's because you're giving them the power to stress you. At the end of the day, you make the final decision. Very important we understand that. See, we get in the habit of saying, he made me angry, she made me angry, that made me sad. Nobody can give you any emotional state. Nobody can. You choose them yourself, consciously or unconsciously. You interpreted the event in such a way that your mind had no choice but to become upset. See, all of us live our lives based on a program. And for many of us, that program was put into our minds by our parents, by our extended family, and by the society. 
And based on the program that you're operating your life on, some of you are destined to be depressed, destined to be anxious, destined to be alcoholic, because the way in which you interpret your world always brings about a negative reaction. Do y'all see that? Two people with the same experience can come out of it to two totally different ways. Two totally different ways. Two people get laid off, two different reactions. Two people get disrespected in public, two totally different reactions. You have to become more proactive in dealing with situations and not reactive. Save your emotions for when you need them. Emotions can do just as much good as they can do just as much damage. And too many of us are reacting too much to emotion. Whenever you react, your body automatically releases cortisol, adrenaline, which works against the immune system. People who are emotionally unhealthy also tend to be physically unhealthy. Why? Because the emotions, the emotions release toxins into your bloodstream that beat down your organs. So it is almost impossible to be physically healthy and emotionally unhealthy. One is going to destroy the other. And what we need is a balance in both of them. Next slide. Check your social network. Too many of us are hanging with people who are no good. Too many of us, because we don't like being alone, would rather hang with bad friends than no friends. Okay? Bad friends than no friends. Okay, I get folk who tell me, well, I know he don't really like me, but we grew up together, you know, and that's just how it's going to be, you know, and you knew the whole time that they were not a friend, but a friend in me, okay, an enemy in a friend's disguise. It is better to be by yourself than to be with people who don't mean you well, because when you're around people who you're not comfortable with, and when you're not around people who you cannot trust, your suspicion is heightened. And suspicion is a form of stress. And whenever you're always being stressed out like that, the mind begins working against itself. And it never gets to take a break. See, every organ in the body is supposed to take a break. But the one that doesn't is the mind. The mind never takes a break. It runs and it runs and it runs and it runs. And most of it isn't even being ran by you. It's being ran by everybody but you. So what we have to do is retake control over our thought process to improve the way that we're living our lives. Next one. Learn to love solitude. If you can't be by yourself, you won't be able to be at peace with nobody else. And too many of us don't like being alone. We always have to have somebody else with us, whether it's a significant other, whether it's a brother, sister, girlfriend, mom, dad. I always look in therapy for folks to spend time with themselves. How much do you spend time with yourself? Well, I don't have time. No, that's a cop-out. That's the not. Why are you not spending time with yourself? And the reason we don't spend time with ourselves is because when you're by yourself, your subconscious automatically brings to consciousness all those unfinished tasks that you had in life. People you should have got rid of, goals you should have accomplished, certain objectives that you never met. And because a lot of us find it painful to analyze our lives and where we've been, we would rather shut that out. And the best way to shut off the unconscious from reminding us of our shortcomings is to get somebody else to distract us. So when you find people who just got to be busy all the time, I mean, every day, every hour, they either sleep or they busy. They never at peace and by themselves. That's because there's no internal peace. And these are the type of people who do what? Rush into a relationship looking for somebody to take their mind off of themselves. And when you're no longer sufficient to distract Umar from Umar, I dump you and pick up somebody else who I think could do the job better. So you see, the relationship wasn't even based on you at all. It was based on my hidden agendas, my psychological hidden agendas. And all of us have hidden agendas. You got to know what they are so you can control them without them controlling you. Very important we understand that. Next slide. You have to be by yourself. I don't care if it's an hour. I don't care if it's 30 minutes. I don't care if it's a walk during lunchtime. But it is absolutely necessary for the spirit and the mind and the body and the emotional body, those four bodies, to realign. And they do that through silence. 
When your mind stops activating, that's when God consciousness comes in. But most of the time, God consciousness can't come in because we're constantly distracting it with the thunder of our thoughts. So you got all this internal noise going on. So how can the subtle voice of the universe communicate to you and your chakra bodies when the mind is always agitated? I dismiss the hatred. 
hatred Just hourly thinking love empowerment I hear the words of my ancestors and devour it I say my people, I say